Aloha, welcome to the Big Dream School Podcast, where we explore the art, science, and soul of rocking your dreams. I'm your very grateful host, DJ Valerie B. Love. Inhale. Now, doesn't that just feel awesome? All right, let's rock this. Aloha, love tribe. Do you ever feel like your self-expression is hidden and kind of underneath the covers somewhere, but you know she's there? Guess what? This week's guest, we get to share her journey from corporate America, overstressed, not feeling fulfilled, to becoming a global, sensational, ecstatic DJ. She is amazing. She is also a healer and a coach, and she helps people on their creative journey towards wholeness and making a big difference on the planet. You are going to love, love, love her. Our experiment of the week is super duper duper triple extra fun. So tune in and you are going to meet my beautiful guest, Alia. All right, everybody, let's take a big inhale together. (sighs) So my gorgeous guest, this beautiful goddess, Alia Metcalf, is so extraordinary for taking time to be with me. I reached out to her because I read a, um, a chapter of hers in a book that my neighbor was a part of and I'm super excited and I was like I'm gonna reach out to this woman and see if she wants to be on the podcast because she seems like a badass and she likes music and she's been through heck and hell and beyond and like she's super awesome so I reached out to her and I was like hey how's it going she's like who are you (laughs) but it was so cool to to have you respond and say yes to coming to be on the Big Dream School podcast. So I want to welcome Alia Metcalf. Hi, honey. Hi, Valerie. I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Totally. <laughs> thanks for thanks for saying yes. And, you know, it's always intimidating to reach out to people that you don't know, and especially people who are like in print or on the stage or doing something that's kind of larger than life. And I really appreciate that you are taking time to be with us here, all of us dream jockeys. Absolutely. And you're my crew. (laughs) I know, right? So, you know, you were just talking about you got back from Hawaii last night. And wow, what a gift that you got to go out there and you were performing, you were saying, at a festival with women artists. Let's hear about it. Yes. Yeah. I was performing at uh, Mana Fest, it's called. It's on the Big Island. And they, they feature a lineup of all women artists. And it's a really beautiful, beautiful energy. The whole event is mostly created by by women as well. And so there's just beautiful feminine energy that's present. It was it was lovely. And you were saying you got to DJ and you got to do a workshop as well. So can yes. you tell us a little bit about what the vibe was for those? Sure, yeah. Um, I, uh, I played, a, uh, they, they do a lot of ecstatic dances uh, on the island. And so I was playing a, a dance night and I, um, Yaima and I both were, were on the lineup for that night. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they're beautiful, beautiful artists. And, um, and it was a really great, just unleashed dance scene, which is just always my favorite, favorite type of floor to play. (laughs) And so for ecstatic dance, for those of you who may not know what that is, can you share a little bit? What's the difference between vanilla dance and ecstatic dance? Oh, yes. Yes, it's different. (laughs) It's different than what you would experience, say, in a club, right? Where where sometimes there's a a, a more kind of limited range of, of how people are dancing or moving and they're a little more concerned about how people are perceiving them and you know, there's a, there's a kind of more restrained style to it until people get really drunk. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and, uh, by contrast at ecstatic dance, the, the, the ethos is about really, really being self-expressed through your movement, just moving however you want to. There's no particular right way. It's just however you want to move. And so, 
when people are in that practice regularly, there's just this beautiful expression of, of just a variety of movement. And, and it's a beautiful way to, to experience permission to just be who you are, how you are, how your body wants to move on the dance floor. And it usually creates really unleashed dance floors. <laughs> and how did you get turned on to ecstatic dance? And then all of a sudden now you're an ecstatic dance DJ and you're a trainer. Is that correct? You're starting to train other DJs and how to be an ecstatic dance facilitator and DJ. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, well, I, I began DJing 10 years ago and about nine years ago, I, I was introduced to ecstatic dance Oakland as I'm based in the San Francisco Bay area. And, uh, the Oakland dance was the second in the world, actually in the first on the mainland of the country. The first, the first ever was, was actually, um, started on Hawaii. And, I came across them and, and reached out to see if I could play a set and then it just kept going and I became a resident DJ with them. I have been ever since and I've been touring all of the, you know, many, many other ecstatic dances that have started up in different parts of the, the state here in California and then different parts of the country and then also around the world because it's now become a global movement, which is, which is so incredible. And yeah, the, uh, the co-producers of Ecstatic Dance Oakland, Tyler and Donna, have both been instrumental in bringing ecstatic dance to other parts of the world and helping to teach people how to hold dances and how, you know, what's different about the ecstatic dance journey versus other types of journeys. And and then, uh, yes, I, I've been invited to be a, a, a teacher of, of ecstatic dance DJs. And then I also do other, other workshops, particularly I have one coming up for women called Shakti Sound, where we're going to be teaching women how to DJ and then also how to produce their original music. Nice. Oh, my God. That sounds yeah. so fun. Yeah. I love it. When does yeah. that start? Um, that's in May. And is it an online thing or are you going to do it in person? How does it work? It's in person. We are going to do it for a week at a hot springs here in California. Oh my gosh, dude. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm all like, ooh, that sounds like I know. medicine so we, right there. So we're going to be in the feminine medicine, right? You know, of the, um, of the energy of the place. And then, you know, going into some of the more technical aspects of, of the software and how to use it and all of that. And then counterbalancing that with soaking in water. <laughs> oh my God. What so I'm just, I'm a dork. I love, like, what are you using for software? Um, well, I, I particularly am using Ableton Live to cool. produce music and then uh, Tractor to DJ. Cool. Me too. Yay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. 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 I started yeah. producing the podcast on Ableton because I'm like, I just, I can play around with them a little bit more. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. That's good editing capabilities in there. It's mm -hmm. fun. And, and I didn't want to learn Adobe Audition. So <laughs> I, started, <laughs> but I know how to use Ableton. I'm going to stick with what I know. Yeah. <laughs> Did you DJ? You started 10 years ago. So all the digital stuff was already going on. Like you didn't have... Like you, did you start out with vinyl or did you already start out with digital? No, I started out with digital, cool. but I did take the opportunity to, to learn from a CDJ DJ, how to, how to beat match. Nice. And, and that felt important to really gain a, a more traditional understanding of how DJing really came about, you know, and, and how traditional DJs used to do that and then apply that to, to using the technology. But yeah, at that point, a bunch of software programs existed and, and I could just jump right into that. And of course it's easier to travel with. <laughs> so much easier. I, I'm an old school vinyl DJ. So when oh. I used to have to travel, it was like, okay, uh, how many people can help me with my record boxes up in the bin in the airplane? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you only got like 60, 65 records in a bin. So you're like, oh shit, I don't, you got to really feed. It's a different way of operating now. It's like you can carry 20,000 songs in your pocket. Yeah. 
so which nice. is super, I mean, it's so amazing. I just, I love it. I'm still a tactile person. So I like touching the records. Um, but yeah, I like the idea of it not having to be so heavy. <laughs> and totally. it's fun. So why music? What happened? Like you've, you've got some serious background. You used to be a marketing executive in New York, right? And then yes. now you're here in, Cal- in Oakland or in the Bay Area in California. Um, what the heck? How'd that, what happened there? And how did you, <laughs> how'd music come into play and bridging, yeah. bridging your life from point A to point Z? Yeah, life looks really, really different now. <laughs> um, well, I, I was, I was a, an advertising and marketing executive in the first part of my career, and I was based on the East Coast first. I was working out of an agency in New York and working for some, you know, big blue chip brands, and definitely ascending in the ranks. But I was not happy. I was, I was definitely. I was in a place of just feeling like, is this it? This this can't be it. <laughs> um, but I, I had pursued a career path that, you know, according to my family and the environment that I was raised in and the East Coast, which is more conservative, it was just more a, a respectable career. Um, it would give me security, all these important things, right? And and I just kept feeling like there's something really big missing. And that's because I was always a very, very creative young person. And I was musically trained growing up. I was trained as a singer and as a pianist. And I was always super into music. I was, I was uh, growing up, I, I got my first records, I think at like eight. And I was always making mixtapes and doing that thing where I, you know, I, those of us who are old, we remember this, right? You know, like I was getting the, you know, doing the thing just, just so, so that the, you know, one song would end, the next one would begin right at the right spot, you know? And that was of course an early clue of what I'd be doing later, but I had no idea I'd be pursuing a, mu- a music track. And certainly that's not something that I was encouraged to do. And I got an opportunity to get moved out to the San Francisco Bay Area to work for a startup on the marketing side. That's when I moved from advertising to marketing. And it was my first exposure to this this whole new world, this whole new culture, which didn't so much exist yet in New York. It does more more so now. There's more Burning Man style culture. Yeah. But but back then there really wasn't much of that. And here on the other hand, there was just a thriving underground dance community. There's a whole electronic dance scene. And I got tapped into that scene as a dancer first. And I was helping to produce some events sometimes. And I was really into this idea of, of conscious communities of people coming together. And we would create these all night dance parties. And, um, I didn't know still though that I was going to be I was going to be DJing. I just I didn't necessarily aspire to that right right off the bat. I it was like not even in my consciousness that I could do that. Mm. Even though I was tracking music very closely and I was still putting mixes together for friends, right? And then uh, it's, and you know, so all during this time, as I was, I, I was coming in, you know, discovering the culture here and being exposed to lots of new types of of ways of living and being. Um, I was also studying to uh, to lead coursework. I was a personal growth trainer, and I was then that transitioned into coaching. And I was doing all of this on the side while still marketing, and. And then one day, a friend of mine was putting together a, um, a fundraiser for Obama at the beginning of his campaign. And she loved my mixes and was like, I want you to DJ at this. And so then I had to learn how to DJ <laughs> in order to play this event. And awesome. I know. And, and I went, you know, went to my friends who DJ and got lessons and got the software and figured out the basics. And, you know, that first set was just probably so clunky, right, in terms of, you know, masterful mixing. But what I brought was my enthusiasm because I was just so utterly stoked to be there. (laughs) And 
And, you know, that I've come to understand that that enthusiasm is such a critical element that's, it's part of the magic that then has something bloom in your life, right? Because I brought that enthusiasm and then people loved what I was doing. They loved me. And then they just started getting asked to play, to play parties. And for maybe the first year, I was just doing that for free here and there. And then soon after that, that's when the first ecstatic dance opportunity came up, came about. And then, you know, I was, I was starting to get paid basically from that point on. And then that led to festivals. And then about four years into the journey, five years, I, four years, I began to be really interested in making my own music and started my, started getting my feet wet with producing and collaborating with people to do that. And that then opened up this whole portal for me of, of realizing that I could bring all of this latent musical talent and take all the, you know, everything I knew about um, music from learning piano and use that to compose my music and, you know, bring my vocals onto it. And then I, uh, it's in my bio somewhere probably, right. That, that I am, I'm the creator of the feminine medicine project. And what I've been doing with that is I've been collaborating with a bunch of different other female artists to, to produce original music that is infused with this feminine frequency because I've been so passionate over, you know, over the years that that passion has really grown to bring more of the feminine to the planet and to empower women and women's voices. And so that was a project where I could really bring together all of my, my passions in one place. And I began working on those, those, that music in earnest and released um, the first feminine, feminine medicine album two years ago. And then a remix album came after that. And I'm working on the next round of music, which is coming soon. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of a brief, brief history of, of how that all came about. And so feminine, what, why feminine? I mean, I get like, you know, a lot of us, we turn to this energy of healing the feminine and empowering the feminine. And, and I, I see a lot of that and I'm magnetized towards that in life right now. And I just wonder like what happened in your life that you know, caused you to say, this is what I stand for right now. And this is where I'm going to, you know, be in most service for, for this chapter of my life right now. Yeah. Feminine for me, my relationship to the feminine is something that is very sacred and precious because it's something that early in my life, I, I didn't feel that I had a strong connection to, and I wasn't, I wasn't shown how to, because again, like be, coming from an environment where the dominant paradigm was, was very masculine, very accomplishment oriented, very, very business oriented, you know, very like go be successful uh, orientation and not much orientation towards feeling and, and really being in our bodies and intuition and, and all these things that are really some of the most potent aspects of the feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, those were things that I had to learn. And through my exposure to women's work over the years, I rediscovered this part of myself that, that I attribute to my healing. Because the reason why I made the transitions that I did, one of the biggest reasons was because when I was still, still working in marketing on that path, I began experiencing a healing crisis. And that healing crisis and the, the years that I spent trying to heal and, and figure it out, that prompted me to, to dig deeper and find that, that thing in myself that was out of alignment. And what I came to find was that when I invited in more feminine energy into my life through various practices, through embodiment practices and circles and you know lots of ways that I was really accessing and getting in touch with that feminine energy, that my, my healing crisis began to dissipate. And so I, I attributed it to the, the feminine energy awakening inside of me as one reason for that. And then I also attribute it to me finding my true, my true path, my calling and my purpose, and then following that with everything that it took, you know, to do that. And 
I think those two things combined are what enabled me to to heal what was what was out of alignment and off in my body and causing causing things to break down and causing illness. And now I'm healed from those things. I'm 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 operating at a completely different place, a completely different frequency of living, and it it, it has so much to do with that. And so you know, and when I look out on the planet, I, I see a population of people who are really suffering and struggling probably because a lot of us have been have been really trained into this very intense masculine paradigm of creation and it causes illness and burnout and uh depression and you know a whole array of of issues and problems right and and I think as a planet, we're disconnected from Gaia, you know, we're disconnected from feminine energy that is the creation of all things. You know, we're we're disconnected from from women as the as the primary, you know, carriers of the feminine. Of course, there are people of all genders who who experience the feminine within themselves. And there's a there's an imbalance of energy. And so I began to feel that. Well, actually, and also I saw this really happening on the dance floor. I saw it happening at conscious events and where it was like 99% men on the lineup and music that's, that's also very masculine in feeling. So being one of, one of a handful of women on lineups over the years, I, I began to feel really impassioned about bringing more feminine energy even to those spaces, even those places, conscious festivals, you know, that claim to be bringing conscious intention and energy into what they're doing, but still not featuring women and the feminine in a big way. So I felt that feminine medicine would be a way to bring forward this mission of bringing more feminine to those spaces through through what I am bringing to the dance space. And then also at the same time, empower and showcase the other women that I'm collaborating with, because I feel that that's also a really important aspect of the feminine paradigm. It's, it's collaboration. It's, it's not competition. It's, it's about lifting everyone up. And so that, that aspect of the project has become really, really important to me too. Yeah, you are uniquely qualified for feminine empowerment and you know from your history reading your 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 chapter again and is it okay I want to dive a little bit into Sure. Your yeah. you said you have survived multiple rapes mm-hmm. and an eating disorder and an abusive family um mm-hmm. I, I you know I can relate to that and I can relate to you know, yeah, I'm going to heal my feminine energy. Once the feminine comes forward and has a place at the table and she is witnessed and she is loved and nurtured and encouraged, how do we, how do we help the masculine energy on the planet rise up with us? I think, you know, I just watched, um, I, this is kind of weird, but I'm I'm really interested in serial killers and Ted Bundy. I just watched mm-hmm. a show about him, and mm-hmm. I'm interested in them simply because I want to know: was it preventable? Where's mm. the pathology? That is there something that we can do as a society today to prevent that from happening in the future? And it seems to be it's always men who you know commit these types of crimes against women, mm-hmm. and as a woman rising as somebody who's helping the tide rise for women how do we how do we help the men as well as a woman it's one thing to have men's groups with men how do we as women invite them into our dance of empowerment mm. oh it's it's such a great inquiry well just to to go back first to what you what you raised about what i wrote, wrote about in my chapter in the new feminine evolutionary uh which is a beautiful book of just so much wisdom from so many of my other sisters as well there's about i think 23 of us that that contributed to that um so yes i shared in that chapter my my history of of uh, the rapes and and the abusive treatment and that was a huge, huge part of my journey. And I, I did, uh, I really sunk down 
um, pretty hard <laughs> for a number of years after after uh, the rapes in particular when I was when I was seventeen as a teenager and and I had to rebuild myself back and have had you know a series of of choices choice points I've had to make in order to continue to claim myself back, claim my energy back, claim my sovereignty back, claim my body back, right? And and I think that is a journey that so many of us are on. And I, I see this a lot with so many, so many of the women that I work with and that that I speak to. And you know, we each have our own story of some some form of trauma, some form of pain, some of us more acute than others, but I think it's fair to say that probably most of us have a story and, and, you know, we go through this portal, right? We go through this, this um, reclamation process that becomes necessary in order for us to, you know, take that heroine's journey and find our way back to ourselves and then find our way back to our voice in particular. For me, my voice was a big place where this showed up because the trauma caused me to lose my singing voice and and kind of my voice in general. Like I, I became fairly meek and I, I had a really hard time standing up for myself. And I, uh, I felt really uh, anxious and nervous about, about stepping into the public eye and putting myself out there and, and putting myself, uh, you know, in the face of potential judgment you know, I think all of these things are things that come up for us when when we become more visible figures, and it's something that actually that I I now focus on with my work with women because we need to work through those pieces in order to be able to stand in in front of the world and speak who we are and share our message and you know really deliver our mission at the level that we want to. And for many of us, we feel really held back and hampered by some of the the fears and anxiety that come up. And and so I really had to I worked with, you know, so many different uh support people, coaches and courses and and all the things, you know, therapists and and really uncovered a lot of these pieces for myself. And and you know, each one of us is going to know what the right step is on our journey at this point, right? But it, no matter where we are, and it might be a lifetime before we get through that, but it's deeply important heroine's work. And when we can get to the point where then, where then we, we begin to rise, you know, we hit that low point and then we do the inner work and then we rise, right? We rise into, into our voice, into our power, into our empowerment, into our capacity to now be able to create um, rather than process, right? And you know, we're probably still always going to be processing on some level, right? But we're, we just have a little more resource available to be able to build something. That stage um, is such a precious one. And you know, to get to your piece about how do we invite men in, right? So this this is where I see sometimes women struggling a little bit, like because in that process of our of our empowerment. Um, we have to sometimes move through our anger and our, our bitterness and our resentment and, and all the feelings that come up about the ways that we have felt held down by, by the system, you know, by um, the way that society is set up on certain levels. And, and then, of course, by the personal uh, issues and interactions and, and traumas that we've experienced, right? So, at that point, you know, it becomes important to discover how to communicate in a way that that is a calling in, right? It's it's a calling in for the man, a, an invitation to say, please come come work with us on this mission. You know, come support women's voices, um, help lift them up in the same way that that we're lifting each other up. Um, please help amplify our voices. Please, you know, signal boost our voices, right? And doing it from a place of, of hey, well, welcome in. Like, let's do this together. Let's be a partnership, you know, rather than um, I resent you <laughs> and I hate you for not doing that sooner or, you know, however it might come out. And, um, and I think that that's been, for me in my personal life, that's been the most successful strategy. Um, 
to, to really just make really clear requests to the men in my life who, who care, you know, who are conscious, amazing men who want to see us succeed and who want to experience equality on the planet, you know, who, who want women to lead with them, right? And say, hey, can you help us here? And for me, that, that's been one of the biggest, biggest access points to the opportunities that I've received and the, you know, the ways that, that the men in my world have supported my ascension um, is because I've, I've been able to get to the point where I'm clear in myself and then I can say, please help. That's so powerful to hear that because, you know, women have a tendency in shadow to collapse and or complain mm. you know, when something's not going well or we're not feeling seen or heard. It's very, it's a very common default for women to do one of those two things. And I know I do it sometimes. Yes, and, me too. Oh my gosh. And it's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Am I, you know, and mm-hmm. it's something to have that self-awareness around how we operate and show up in the world as powerful women. And like you were saying, a lot of these conscious festivals or been, you know, gatherings maybe aren't having, you know, there, I don't think numbers wise, there's, you know, a, the same ratio of men to women performance, you know, whether you're a band or a DJ, um, it's not the same numbers to, to pull from, but it's still like the billings never look like what the pool really looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And so how can women, whether it's in a, you know, a conscious dance scene, a business environment, um, philanthropical endeavors, political environments. How do we, how do we show up? You know, and not do the complain and collapse, you know, identity or, or you know, behavior, and get ourselves with, you know, co-leading these gatherings of, you know, of importance. You know, and it's easy for women. I know for me, I'm like, oh, goody, women's work. I can do that. This is my sisters. Yay. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of doing men and women's gathering work leadership together. And I'm like, oh, that's that's a line for me, you know, because I still yeah. feel that like, rare. well, why don't you just invite me? You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, so there's that old story. So how do we get to, you know, rise above that and still nurture the the feminine, you know, because the the thing to get on these big bills and to go be at like the massive, massive festivals or the massive, you know, political situation or the massive, you know, business roles. It's like you have to embody some masculine energy. It's a healthy masculine, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a tough one. It is a really. A yeah. Yeah. Just to speak to that piece about needing to embody some healthy masculine energy. Absolutely. I mean, the, I think the key is is the integration of our masculine and feminine, which is, I think, the the ultimate outcome. It's so that we still have access to the part of ourself that is that is driven, that's clear, that's ambitious. You know that that uh, that can create structure, grounded structure to enable our our offerings to to flourish. Because that that's one of the keys. It's it, you need you need to have strategy. You need to have those pieces in place in order to take the next steps. And I think that's a place where sometimes women flounder, particularly in in the journey of trying to reclaim our feminine. And we're like, and we say, oh, I don't even want anything to do with masculine energy because we've been we were so over masculine masculinized for so long. Yeah, and and it and it broke us. You know, for so many women, that's that's like one of the sources of of their illness or or their burnout, and then they go, I can't even do it, right? And then they become overly feminized, and then sort of sometimes have trouble making something grow, and and so I think that's the like the ultimate, I think present moment sort of inquiry that so many feminine leaders are inside of is, is how do I, how do I do my business? How do I do my, my path, my purpose in a feminine way that enables me to still, you know, keep my body healthy, my, my relationships, with my family really healthy, um, have space in my world and still grow and, and, and build my mission in the way that I know is needed 
you know, that that's really a big question. And for me, it's, it's, it's always about, um, I usually sometimes have to, I have to have moments of, of kind of switching energies. You know, I have, I have big lengths of time where maybe I'm just like really in my masculine mode and building something. And then I just, I have to step back and take a break, you know? And when I was in Hawaii, in fact, last week or this last weekend, I, that was, that was kind of what that was for me. I, I was, I took the opportunity, took some extra days to just be there instead of rushing home. And, and I think when we take those pauses, when we take those breaks, it enables us to, to have greater access and balance to both energies. And then just to speak to what you're saying about um, man-woman spaces in particular, there's something I wanted to mention about that there because I've had really powerful, beautiful experiences with, with my tribe here of um, co-ed spaces where, um, you know, this has mostly been in the personal growth transformation space and in those communities. And, you know, as a course leader um, with my fellow course leaders and the people that I was training with, and then also as a participant in courses at times, we had the opportunity to, to express, particularly I mean, both men and women, we, we, we had the opportunity to express how we felt in a really raw, authentic way that was not, that was not screened or held back. And what that did was it, it enables, enables us to experience the, the, the true experience of the other gender and what it's really like for them. And I know it was really insightful and eye-opening for the men who I was in those courses with. And and it was really insightful for me and helpful for me to really get what it's like from the male perspective. And I think um, putting yourself in those those kinds of environments where you you get to have the opportunity to just really be truthfully expressed and be be practiced in a a raw kind of truth-telling with the other gender, it can be really, really... um, helpful and create connection. It can create a bridge that, that didn't maybe exist before when we were, we were back here living inside of our projections of what we, or what we think they think. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's fascinating. What, um, what have you done with the men and women space? Like, I'm curious, is it with the ecstatic dance training? What's I'm just, I always want to learn and share with listeners what's out there for them that they can go experience, you know, in addition to, you know, the specific thing that we talk about here, like what, what was transformational for you? You were talking about landmark. You're also talking about specific things that you did. Like what, what can people go do so they can go unravel this part of their beautiful soul? Yes. Um, well, when I first started my career in, in personal transformation, it was through it was through an organization called um, the Arte Experience. The course was called the Arte Experience, and it was a an upstart course uh, built by by two people here in the Bay Area. They then trained a bunch of us to then lead it with them, and we were kind of like this, um, you know, the the, the raw, uncensored. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sort of rebel version of the, of the, of landmark, you know, or some of the other courses like that. And, um, the, the focus was on, was on really just creating space for our in the moment experience and then giving room to express that so that we could, we could have an experience of being, being like letting the veil drop and coming out from behind the veil and actually being seen by people in a way that often we don't usually get to do in most social environments. And, and it was a really um, beautiful, radical experience. And it was, it was, I, I was immediately hooked <laughs> when I experienced it and then did a two-year training program to facilitate that wow. and uh, led those courses for some years before like the, our business model just didn't quite work because we wanted to keep it small and intimate and we just couldn't scale. <laughs> and, and, and the way that, you know, some like a, a, an organization like Landmark does. Um, and uh, so we, we have courses here and there. We had one as a reunion just, just this last summer. And then, you know, the, when that 
when that dissipated, I, I then leapt over to do some work with Authentic World. And they were offering courses called the Authentic Man Program and the Authentic Woman Experience. Um, they, they used to be based in uh, Boulder. And I, don't, I think the organization's been transitioning. I, I haven't been involved for some time as a leader. But, um, but that was a place where I also, I really got to experience, particularly as a women facilitator in the Authentic Man program, I got to really experience what, what it was like for the men in, and how they were relating to women and the challenges that they came up against. And then I wound up, my coaching practice actually was focused on just men for a while when I was really involved with, with Authentic Man program. And wow, that's cool. Yeah. So I really got, got an inside look into what it was like for them. And then of course my, you know, my bigger mission of supporting women on the planet really just took root. And I, I just got really clear in 2007 that, that I, I was going to really focus my work on, on working with women. But um, I've had the chance to be on both sides of the aisle at this point. <laughs> I love that. I didn't know that about you. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, I know they have authentic relating here in um, in Boulder. Yeah. Is that yeah. is that the same? Group? It's 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 uh, an an offshoot of of that work. So basically, the history is is that um, the authentic work was it came out of uh, the circling is the basis of that work. It's called, mm-hmm. and that actually came out of the Arte experience, which was the first place where it was originated, which was the course that I trained to lead back in the early two thousands. Yeah. And then uh, circling has then emerged on the planet as as a, as a whole as, as it's a whole movement in itself, and it's now global. Also, there's authentic relating uh, courses and circles and and evenings and all of that all over the world. So it's really um, it's become quite a phenomenon. Yeah, I, there's a lot of people here who are all up in that. So they're amazing people. I'm like, okay, I got to get dialed in with this, this circling. Um, So what is on the horizon for you besides this killer's Shakti sound? Uh, (laughs) Are you calling a retreat, a workshop? What is it? We're calling it a retreat because it's it's a week. Yep. Mm -hmm. And where else are you going to be on the planet? You're cruising around. I saw you're doing something. Is it in Portugal? Yes. Well, there's a uh, ecstatic DJ training in Portugal, and um, I'm actually not facilitating that anymore. But I'm I'm promoting it for them because I'm you know just uh, a big big support for them and th- that mission of of training ecstatic DJs. And then I'm also I'm doing a lot of touring. I'm I've I've got some dates uh, opening up for Future Primitive, and I've um, I'm doing an ecstatic dance tour in Europe. Um, so I'll be hitting. Amsterdam and Berlin and um, Ibiza and Barcelona and some other awesome places. And then I'm, I'm working on some new music this year as well. I'm, I'm, I'm working on the music for Feminine Medicine Volume 2. Um, volume 1 was released two years ago and Volume 1 Remixes was, was released last year. And then some also some original music that's not me collaborating with other people, but just my own. Uh, so that's all on the horizon. And then um, I, on the women's side of, of things, because um, I'm always creating programs and things like that, I, I do a lot of online programs. Um, I'm launching something called Revolutionary Woman, which is a, a new online group program that I'll be, um, it'll be wings up in June. And I also have a, a new offering called Bold, which is um, the new name I've been giving to my private mentorship work, which is all about supporting women to really step into their boldest expression, their boldest message, and to really step into uh, their visibility on a global platform with our work. Wow. You're you're a busy woman, sister. (laughs) I love it. So... With relationship to our our experiment that we do each week, you and I spoke a little bit about your possibility statement that you did when you were going through your initial like yeah. whoa, your first round of awakening. I mean, I think awakening constant—it's an ever unfolding process. Ever unfolding, yes. right? <laughs> so, but I love your possibility statement. Can you share a little bit about that? And you want to talk to 
all the dream jackies out there about our experiment and what this is for you. I love, I love this idea of, of having a weekly experiment. Um, yeah, so this experiment is, it was um, inspired by this statement of possibility that I created when I did the landmark forum back in 2000. And um, I don't know if they do that anymore. I, I'm pretty sure they would. So the statement was, I'm the possibility of courageous, outrageous self-expression. And that statement, you know, I, I, I built that at this point of that, that transition point when I had just moved from New York to, to the Bay area, I was not yet doing any of the things that I'm doing. And in all honesty, I was not yet living into that statement. I was not the full expression of me. And it was, you know, the idea of a possibility statement, of course, is that, is that it's something that you live into. And I've continued to live into it for the last 18 years and it, 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 it unfolds in new ways. And, you know, it's become, it's the core of my reason for being. It's, it's the core for my work with women and, and really supporting their expression, their fullest expression and the full, you know, the, the fullest possible way that, that their genius could be given to the world, right? That's really important to me. And so I invite you, dear listeners, to play with this week. How could you step into another level of courageous, outrageous self-expression? And it could be through something that you put out there into social media. It could be a video you make. It could be something that you finally decide to say to someone you care about. It could be um, some, you know, making some bold vision statement for yourself about what you're going to step into. Um, It could be, you know, trying on some sort of new outfit, some new way of, of visually expressing yourself. There's a lot of different ways you could play with it. But what I found was when I, when I did play with that, um, I'll tell a quick story about that actually, because cool. uh, it's, it's kind of, it, it, I think it, it's, it's applicable here, which is, so I was taking that on. I was like, all right, courageous, outrageous self-expression. And around that time, um, a couple of, of guys that I was working with at, at this startup, they, they were kind of uh, joking around with me one day and in a very um, complimentary way. And they were like, she's the bomb. No, she's the goddess. She's the bomb. She's the goddess. And then one said, she's the bomb goddess. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, oh, ooh. you know, like it was like so out of the realm of who I, I was. I felt like I was expressing at that point. I'm like, bomb goddess. What? You know, that's, that's not someone that I know. And, um, and I decided to take on the name bomb goddess. And I, um, I created an email that had bomb goddess in it. And I, I began to use that as my like social handle on like forums. And, um, I began to play with living into who this bomb goddess woman was. And then when I started DJing, that was the first name. That was the name I took because that was the, that was the obvious choice. Cause that's who I'd been like trying to live into for eight years. And so, you know, I've I since retired Bomb Goddess is my DJ name. And now I, 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 my artist name is Alia as because that was the next evolution that I was taking. But I, I invite you to play with it, you know, play with like, what would it look like to, to play with another identity entirely or to, you know, create this like alter ego, you know, of, of this person that you want to, you'd like to live into that has the qualities and, and, and the expression of that person that you'd like to live into and then just play with that and see what happens. I love this experiment. It's so fun. I love that you were the bomb goddess because I'm the vibe goddess. And oh yeah, because awesome. <laughs> <laughs> when I used to DJ, we had Valerie in the Vibe Tribe, and then I'm like, well, when I play by myself, who am I? I'm like, I'm the vibe goddess. What's up? I'm raising yeah. the vibes, and I'm like the vibe <laughs> mistress, you know. So, and I totally felt that too. Like that, it's fun. It's a persona, and it's an identity that you get to go you know, like try on. And it's like, how does this fit? Is this who I want to go be in the world? And we can be anybody that we want to be. We don't have to be this other name. Like I changed my legal name to love, to Valerie B. Love Mm -hmm. after my divorce because I was like, well, what's my mission? Mm. My mission is to be love and to spread love. So I had my dad's name. I had my ex-husband's name. 
I'm like, I'm going to be this. And so it's like, it's powerful. It's such powerful medicine to embrace an identity. Um, mm-hmm. I remember I was at a Tony Robbins leadership thing a couple of years ago, and it, he was talking about one of the single most important things for humans is to um, have their embrace an identity. And we make decisions, of course, in our life like, oh, well, I'm a good girl, so I wouldn't do that thing. Or I'm a powerful woman, so I would do this thing. And so having your own solid sense of identity that you craft, that isn't just, you know, someone else did this for you is so powerful and transformational for people who are moving to another level in their life. And most of us, I mean, who's not in some kind of a transition? Mm, you know, yes. Hopefully we're not all in like a big, you know, massive upheaval all at the same time, but we're always in some kind of transition. So it's okay to invent the next level of who you are. I mean, you are your own masterpiece, right? Yes. And so having this fun identity, I love, this is going to be the funnest experiment. I'm so excited. Oh, good. Because I I get to put, I want to be my vibe goddess again. She's coming back. Oh, she's coming back. Making come back. Yeah. Dust dust your (laughs) eyes. Oh my God. Well, that's the other thing. Yeah. Like you can totally, you can like dust off a part of you that's gotten kind of quieter, you know, and some, some of us find ourselves in the responsibilities of life and family and, you know, right. And then we may lose some of the connection to that, you know, that wild, you know, creative part of us. And so what if you dusted that off and just, you know, let yourself play a little bit with that again? Totally. And I think, you know, for people who have kids like I do, I know that I went through a serious period, like, oh, like, that's not what mommies do at the <laughs> thing. Like, don't let anybody know you're a total freak. Um, but those are the people who I actually like. <laughs> they resonate. I'm like, oh, you're my peeps over here. But, yes. but it's like, it doesn't feel true when you're not being the real you. And obviously, there's many layers and facets to the the quote unquote real you, you know? And yes. and I know that I let a part of myself die and a part of my soul die when I mm-hmm. when I put her up on the shelf, you know, because I thought I was supposed to be a certain way to to do this new new identity of mama. Um and I know a lot of people do that in business, right? It's yes. like thank goodness for like the internet and all of, you know, all of the weirdos in tech who just show up in the, you know, it's like, you don't have to have the suit and tie the old East coast thing. I used to be, I used to work at Deloitte and Touche, which was a, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like hardcore, like maybe blue suits and pantyhose mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And it was like, Oh, that's what a business in my mind was. And so yes, I'm grateful that creativity is welcome in most businesses that are, you know, coming up certainly in the tech and, creative fields. Yeah. And then entrepreneur fields. And yeah, it's, it's, it's one of my big missions though. Even, even then, you know, what I observe is that, um, sometimes even, even entrepreneurs and in the online space, I observe that, that people are trying to look like someone else who's successful Mm -hmm. and, and not quite bringing their own flavor of magic to it. And, and so that's another place where, where I've been somewhat specializing is in supporting women entrepreneurs to really bring forward that, that creative magic that is theirs and theirs alone. And therefore then distinguish their brand as something unreplicatable, right? Because it's, it's theirs. And, and I think that's, that's, that's what enables people to really build, build a memorable brand and message that, that creates an impact. That's super powerful. I know for me, like coming back on online as an entrepreneur again after I took a monstrous chunk of time off to raise my kids, even I'm still raising them, but I did the full time mommy thing for a while. And, you know, coming back to my authentic voice, like who, the, like my vibe goddess voice and my, you know, weirdo Val voice. You know? Cause it's like, no one's going to take you seriously if you really show them who you are. It's like, those are the people you want. Like whoever you are, whether it's, you know, everything's plaid or everything's weird or t- it doesn't matter. It's like magnetize your tribe because you're being authentic. Like you're not going to pull in, you know, the, the right quote unquote divinely aligned people for your business if you're trying to please everybody. Like, That's right. You know, and, mm-hmm. and so it's so, it's, it's super important on so many levels to, 
to be in relationship with that authenticity. So I love this experiment. I think it's going to be super fun mm-hmm. and powerful for whether you're a mom in the PTO or an entrepreneur or an artist or a philanthropist, whatever you're going to be benefiting from having some more fun with this experiment. Let's talk about our song of the week. Um, mm. It's off of your, your album and it's called Choose. And I, I chose Choose because I thought it was gorgeous and mm. I'm going to put uh, all the links and everything are going to be in the show notes, guys. So don't worry that I'll have them up for you and I'll, I'll name that at the end of this interview but tell me about this song this is like this one this this was so relevant for me dancing on the ashes of my dying dreams like yes. dude yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude, yeah. dude. dude. <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh man yeah. and it's so beautiful you guys are gonna love this music so I'll leave all the again I'll leave all that information you can hear Alia's music and it's, it's haunting. Like this is a haunting song in a gorgeous way. Um, it's uplifting. It's powerful. What, how did this come about? And yeah. A- yeah. Well, I, I first want to really give such love to uh, Tara Divina, who is the, she's the woman who wrote the lyrics and uh, sang the vocals on that song. And it was a collaboration between us. You know, we got together as I did with all of my artists. I, I we just got together in multiple studio sessions and just started from a clean slate and we're like, okay, what wants to be said, you know, what wants to come through and just um, coax the muse, you know, and that song was, was really, it was created at a time in particular when, when, when Tara was really, was really going through a massive uh, overhaul Mm. (laughs) of, of aspects of life and things were burning down and, and, and I, you know, I think it, it really came through with with such clarity and precision, and it's so relatable. I, I have so many people tell me that the, that that's one of their favorite songs. It's off of the Feminine Medicine Volume One album, which is the first Feminine Medicine release, and and it um, it's it is very very special. It's it, it it's really speaking to that moment in time when when everything is just crumbling, and we then have to decide, you know, what, what we're going to choose in that moment. Are we going to choose our ascension? Or are we going to choose to, to stay down there with everything that's burning down? You know, are we going to allow ourselves to rise into who we're now meant to become? Are we going to become the Phoenix that rises from those ashes? And, and I think we all have one of those moments at least uh, if not 20 or a hundred <laughs> or a thousand in our lives, right? You know, when, when we have that choice point, when we have to say, okay, who am I and what am I actually committed to? And, and we surrender into the, the truth of who we are and what our path is and our connection to, to all that is. It's so powerful. And there's another song, um, India Ari is there's a song called I Choose. Mm-hmm. Do you know that song? I don't actually. Oh, I know dear. some of her other music, but I'll I'll check that one out. Oh my god, it's like funny light here. That's such a, I'll send it to you. It's such a great song. This was a song that I was listening to when I was completely disintegrated and on the floor daily, sobbing and going through a divorce and my whole life was imploded. And it really it speaks volumes, you know, the choice that we do have. Um, and it's not about bypassing the pain and it's not about bypassing the breakdown and the ashes. It's about going there and honoring that mm. and then moving forward. I know a lot of people, We, you know, I started drinking a lot and just falling apart and not being able to deal. And I was trying to bypass the breakdown, you mm-hmm. know, with some old behaviors and that didn't work out so well, <laughs> but yeah. it, it's, it's really, it's important if you are listening to this and you are somebody who, you know, is finding yourself on the floor. If you're finding yourself feeling hopeless and helpless and powerless and, and like not knowing that there's going to be another sunrise, there is. Mm-hmm. And I can assure you that there are people out there right now who love you and want to support you and help you move forward on this planet because your vision and your dream and your soul came here for a reason and it's to come out and shine. 
so it's so critical that you remember to remember who you are and why you're here. And you are not alone, honey. Mm. So feel the feelings and just know that tomorrow will bring the sun. And we are here with you and we are here for you. And we got this together. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. Yeah. I, I feel that. I just, I know somebody's, I'm just going to cry. I know somebody's going to listen to this and they're going to make a call to a friend and they're going to be okay. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. You're so held. Thank you for saying all that, Valerie. It was really gorgeous. And may you, dear listener, who this really serves, may that support you to just find that place in you that reaches out. We got you, brothers and sisters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Choose, choose, choose love and choose yourself and choose your big dream on this planet. So you, we got you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, sisters. So, all right. Anything else that you would love to share and would love the, the big dream school audience to know about you or just any final? blessings you want to lead us out on hmm. uh, well just to just to say I know you'll have all my links and everything in my bio so I'm not going to do any of that I'm just going to say um, I invite you and encourage you to really go for your big dream you know that's what that's what the intention of this podcast is about as, as I understand it from Valerie and and you know, I, that's what I did. And, and I absolutely navigated bumps in that transition. I, you know, didn't have all the money I needed for a while. Right. You know, I had, I had to exit a really beautiful relationship because it just was no longer in alignment and, you know, all these things that, that went along with, coming into alignment with my truth and, and my path. And they're not easy decisions to make. It's not easy to navigate the fallout sometimes. But what I found is that I am a healthy, happy person now. And I was not before. And ultimately, I think that's what we're all seeking. And I feel that taking those leaps and taking those risks are really what it takes to finally land in that place where where everything feels good. And I want that for you guys. And so I'm just sending you a bunch of just strength and courage to, to make the changes, take the risks, take the leaps, really go for it because it's so worth it. Every part of the journey even the fallout is so worth it because of who you become and what you learn and then how you can then be of service to other people later because then you can help people who are about to do the same thing you just did, right? And then we can all just hold space for each other and lift the collective into a place where we're just a happier, healthier, adjusted collective that's has their attention on the right things, you know, instead of just survival. So blessings to you guys. Thank you, Valerie, so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much, Alia. Can you just for the folks who probably aren't going to go to the show notes, can you just give a couple, you know, where can everybody find you online? I want to totally. Yes, let's do that. Okay. So aliafrequency.com and Alia spelled A-L-I-A. AliaFrequency.com is my website. And then um, at AliaFrequency uh, at Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud. Um, let's see. Yeah, those are the main places. And then you can find my music on Spotify as well. Um, search for feminine medicine. That's going to have it come up quicker because there's a lot of Alias out there. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's, those are the main places where you can, you can find everything about me. All right. Awesome. All right, everybody. Thank you so much, Alia. This has been like super, I love that we didn't know exactly. It's like we love the organic nature of interviewing 
and just being present with each other. I think it's so fun. And so fun. Thank you. I lo- it's my favorite way to do it. I really appreciate just being able to flow and jam with you. Thank you. Yeah, it's totally cool. I'm so excited for you and your journeys and your offerings. And I want to learn more about the the May event. I'm going to have to check it yeah, out. <laughs> Send yeah. me some info. We'll put everything <laughs> in the show notes for you guys. And again, thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. And let's take a big giant inhale together. <sighs> All right. Peace, love, and aloha, everybody. Aloha. <laughs> Thanks, Aliyah. All right, Dream Jackies, head on over to djvaleriebelove.com forward slash 020choose and you can get your free downloadable dream sheet for this week's awesome experiment. It's going to be so fun and creative and you're going to find out all sorts of great stuff about yourself by doing one simple thing. How fun is that? And also, if you guys like this podcast, it would mean the world if you could please give us an awesome review over at iTunes. And that way more people can get their hands on this yummy wisdom to rock their big dreams and rock the SDGs and make this world what it is supposed to be, right? Epic, beautiful, majestic, woohoo, all life co-thriving in harmony. That's our jam. All right. Peace, love, and aloha. Thanks again for listening to this awesome Big Dream School podcast. If you received any benefit and you like it, it would mean the world to me. If you could please take a moment to send us a review on iTunes and subscribe. It will help us get this message and these tools out there to all of the big dreamers like you. Thank you again and many, many blessings to you in